Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Each week, you'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Matt Robinson, or another member of the Bethlehem team. We also host a conversation every week where we unpack different facets of Sunday's message. We're so excited about this conversation, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Well, hey there. I'm Pastor Cody. And I'm Pastor Matt. And we are here to have ourselves a conversation. That Shall is four syllables, I think. Converse. Yep, we will converse. Mm. And we are back from a Shabbatical. We took a week off <laughs> uh, because we just, between the two of us, didn't have a good amount of time to sit down and record last week. It it's just been, did not work out. It's been very crazy. Yeah. Yep. Busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. So we are here today to talk yeah. with you about my message that was called A Tale of Two Exiles. Mm. This is the best title I could come up with given the circumstances. Um, but um, <laughs> I... Title. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, um, and it was uh, it was pretty good. We had a good week. Yeah, I yeah. it was great. Yeah. You uh, you brought the message. Um, you know, I, I think that you know you had planned to go maybe a different route or this route, and then a different route, and yeah. then you came back to this, <laughs> and so there was some back and forth of man, which way am I going to go? Yeah, and I basically I like created you, you three different messages over the course of a week, yeah. more or less. And it's not that I, you know, I just, I help in the process. That's really it. You know, just narrowing and uh, kind of getting through that more on the practical end than anything. Yeah. And you, uh, yeah, I feel like it, it landed well. Yeah, I think so too. And, and you know how it is when you're preparing something, you go through and you lay out the text and you're like, okay, what's going on here? And then you're like, what is a, <laughs> what's a common theme? Or yeah. a thing that ties all of this together. So it's one, mm-hmm. you know, you have one thought that you're communicating and not like 20 different things. Yeah. And unfortunately, with just about every biblical narrative, there's about, you know, a handful of things that you could pick from that tie mm-hmm. all the way through. Uh, so yeah. sometimes it's a hard, it's a struggle to get it to land well. But um, we landed on Exile. Yeah. And I was super happy about that um, because that's what's been the, a... What's the book you're reading on Exile? <clears throat> oh, man. So actually, the book that I'm reading is... Uh, gosh what is it called it's it's actually a book on exodus okay but he talks about exile a lot because the two are the two are kind of tied together Mm -hmm. the book title is i have it here uh it's called exodus old and new uh, a biblical theology of redemption Mm -hmm. and it's by a guy named l michael morales uh published by ivp academic it's a really good book i want to say it was i got it on sale um when it came out so it was like i think i paid like 12 or 15 bucks for it. Yeah. Not a not a bad price for a book. Check it out though. But check it out, very engaging. <laughs> check it out. Check um but very engaging book. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I started reading it when we were away on our conference and uh, man, it's just a it is a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. when you read it if you're into good biblical theology. So Yeah, I I think that happens sometimes. You know, you find a good book that you're like, "Oh, this is great." You know, maybe it's a topic that you weren't trying to pursue. Um, but then it leads into, you know, typically a, a book like that, you know, they're teasing out that topic all mm-hmm. the way through it's as, just as there. many threads, you know, they're, they're you know, going through the thread, threading the needles as many times as they can, uh, in the story and in the scriptures. And, and it's, 
it's neat to get that like exhaustive approach to that. And many messages can be birthed out of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, and that's, I think, the good side of topical preaching of what we find yeah. is if it comes out of like good exegetical research, you know, good study, people that are far beyond and above our capability, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which is a great reason why we have books. Um, you know, that's that can produce some really good messages. And I, and I think it, pr- it produced you know, whatever piece it was that started the thinking. Um, yeah. but I think it, it produced a, a well, it's just very eye opening to the concept. And then when you yeah. start to read and after you've kind of been not conditioned by the book, but when you read in light of what you read in scripture, you're like, Oh, this it adds is pretty layer. It adds another layer mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, it's so good. And you know, when I read these things, I really look for I try to read people who are not pastors. Did you see um, how easy that was? How you just sent the key? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy. It is easy. <laughs> that was an inside joke. Inside anyway. joke. Inside baseball here. <laughs> um, but I, I personally, not that I don't read books written by pastors, but when I'm trying to like research a topic, I don't. I want to read the people who yeah. pastors read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we're, you know, our focus oh, is not. A valid point. Yeah, we're not diving mm. 40, 50, 60 hours a week into theology and text criticism and all these different uh, areas. You know, yeah. we're just, you know, we're just trying to feed the flock of God well. And we can do that by taking advantage of others in the body of Christ who spend the, the legwork doing those things You know, when we don't have time to. And so, and maybe there's just a few that uh, will listen to this and maybe you're, you're not really... Um, um, acquainted with scholarship or how a lot of these doctrines or teachings get parsed out. Um, and I wasn't either, you know, for years and years and years. Um, but it, it is a, in certain, uh, subgroups of evangelicalism, right? There's, um, this thing where pastors sell their sermons. Yeah. And, and they, you know, that's kind of like their, their thing, right? And you preach these messages and they're these good outlines, right? Um, and that's like the, the simple part, right? Yeah. The, so like I, I am a creative person, right? Like there are certain people who are more creative mm-hmm. um, than others. Like it's not like, oh, you know, I'm a great preacher because of X, Y, and Z. No, it's just my style because of my right. creativity, my spin on things, right? But the truth and what that, you know, issue or theological topic is about like that doesn't change. Right. For me, it's how I alliterate or how I formulate mm-hmm. those points or all that's of that what is, takes forever is creating something that presents, right? You know, you can take that information, that text and present it and make sense of it for an audience. Yeah. But I'm saying for me, that's the easy part because I'm creative. Yeah. That's very difficult for me. I have a very hard time, right. but you're, <laughs> you're the opposite, right? In that regard. So, but my, my point in this is like knowing where to go for some of the good content of where, where these people are putting, and just knowing that that exists, that there is scholarship. There are people that are in academia Mm -hmm. that are devoting their lives to these topics of exile and the old Testament and Torah and, Mm -hmm. and language and what the, what those words meant what the author meant back in the day. Um, things that we couldn't learn in seven lifetimes. All no. of this stuff put together. And so when when a pastor 
you know, takes that position that he's got the marketing edge. I say that a lot, but he's got the marketing edge on this truth. Or... He is Circuit City in 1990. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I I would just say be leery of that. Who is fueling his? Who is fueling his research and his teaching? And if he's claiming that he's doing the heavy lifting, run. Like in that regard. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just very, and I'm going to say, I just think there's very few that are very few, very, very few. And they're going to be scholars, you know, that are also pastors that are, you know, feeding the flock of God. But most of them that if they're in that genre, what I'm seeing is they're looking at other peer reviewed, you know, how is what I'm saying or what I came to, how is that accepted? Look, there's nothing new under the sun. And so for us to act like we have something new or bright and shiny that we came up with, like that's not the goal. The goal is not to say he's such a good pastor, all of his original content. And like, no, like most of the original content, what you're talking about is his creative spin on it. Right. None of it is original. Exactly. And, you know, it has been refreshing for me, for my soul, for my own sanctification to release myself from that. I don't approach the Bible going, I have to find something. Mm-hmm. I, I approach the Bible just to study it, just yeah. just to learn more. And in order to do that, I read other books that help me. Mm-hmm. Books, we were talking about one this morning, uh, Carmen Imes. Carmen Imes. Incredible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but she's a lady who uh, is a scholar, a Hebrew scholar at uh, that. Yeah. And when she, man, when she talks about meaning and mm-hmm. Uh, these words, uh, what was the f- one of the first ones that she brought out uh, before the whole Ten Commandment piece, which was the She talked about the Segala? I think she talked about the Segala. I was going to get that tattooed on me. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still may. Yeah. Um, which, if you, we could spend a whole conversation on just that word, so just Google it, and hopefully you find something good. Well, <laughs> it's, it's uh, I forget which one it was. Which one is Segala? Segala is uh, Treasured Possession. Not that one. It wasn't that one. Um, it was before that. It was just like a, a rendering is in the King James Bible. It was this. And she said that it was okay. It was actually okay. Like that rendering was pretty good. And in others, they had used a certain rendering that just kind of lost the meaning. And Maybe I like anger when God gets angry. No, it wasn't that one. I can't remember. But it, m- the point is, is listening to people who have and are devoting their entire lives to that type of rigorous study yeah um is amazing that we have that Mm -hmm. and and that we have access to that and so um if you're studying your bible if you're reading scripture like don't feel like you have to do that heavy lifting and that heavy work that others are doing but i'll tell you this if you'll read other people Mm -hmm. like you will be blessed i tell people that all the time if you're if you're only reading scripture and I think people are like, well, I don't want to read other people because I don't want them to be influencing what I'm what I'm reading. And it's like, well, you, you are yeah. the primary problem with inter, you know interfering with what the text is actually saying, right? And the Bible says that we have to like the body of Christ exists for the edification of each other, right? And we can allow other our our brothers and sisters in the body to the edify church is us. Designed that way, the church is designed that way. Yeah. And if we're not reading books, like that is a way in the 21st century. That Carmen Imes can edify us without her 100%. actually being here. I've never met her. Yeah. But boy, you know, her work <clears throat> is speaking. She's actually, she engages very well on Facebook. If oh, you really? ever, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I think, I don't know that I liked her page. I think I actually added her as a friend and she added me back. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I think so. 
it's just unreal like the the level of uh the things that we take for granted or the things mm-hmm. that we formulate on nothing like yeah. we come up with these things she made one uh one she was talking about one thing about the 10 commandments that we thought that most people rather uh and i would fall into that category that there were two tablets of stone because mm-hmm. It didn't all fit on one, you right. know, and she's like, but no, it's really just a copy. It's a copy. Yeah. Yeah. It's front and back, friend, front and back. <laughs> but it's, it's more of this is what was discussed and this is what is put on display. Everybody's mm-hmm. on the same page. Yeah. It's not two different pages. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on the same page, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there's just a lot of things like that, that culturally and, and language and what, what it meant back then. <laughs> and they're actually not even called the 10 commandments. That's 10 words. The, t- the, the Devarim. Yeah, that's right. So, it, which is like mind blowing in and mm-hmm. of them, in and of itself, like yeah. the truths that that will then uh, bring to pass, you know, as you study it and read it. Um, but anyway, I think that uh, this type of message it makes me think about often, you know, that that style of like, man, there are so many good things. The the theme of exile that you're reading and engaging with that's going to help build biblical perspective all the way through. You know, yeah. we were talking about where it is in First Peter. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, really to good. the to the chosen living as exiles as exiles, yeah. uh, it just helps so much. And so <laughs> hashtag Are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> was that the name of it? That, is, that was the name of your series. Uh, yeah, that's First hilarious. Peter. I'd probably preach it totally different right now if I could go back and do it. But yeah, it, and if you're in a if you're in one of those subgroups of a group uh, that really hammers, like, I believe this. And so I read everybody that's in line with that huge mistake. It is. Yeah. I'm not a Calvinist, but I read Calvinist offers. Yeah. (laughs) Offers. I read those offers all the time. I deny them. No, Uh, but I, I do. I read, uh, I'm in the middle right now. I just read, uh, DA Carson is a prime example of somebody who I like to read. And somebody who I read commentaries that he contributes to. And I have theological disagreements with him, which at face value doesn't make sense because he's an expert and I'm not, but, uh, yeah, whatever. And, and if he was here, we would be like, we're not disagreeing with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go along with whatever you yeah. have to say. And that's not like, that's not wishy washy. And, and, and the, the concept of like, ah, oh, compromise. Like, <laughs> it's so much further than that. I almost and, spit my coffee all over this microphone. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. It was about to be a the fountain. spirit of compromises in your, <laughs> But it, it's just, I think a lot of it, and I'll say this, like, and and, and no uh, judgment towards you or against you. It's just literally ignorance. That type of mentality, it's like you have not been exposed to uh, the real work of Christian writings and Christian authors and yeah. Jesus followers that span those preferences, you know, and mm-hmm. you're missing out. Uh, yeah, and so, time. look, even if you have to do what I did for years, I was reading John Piper and just wouldn't tell anybody. You know what I mean? I'm like right. reading Desiring God, you know, in my office with no one around, you know, and I'm like <laughs> with oh, the door locked and the shade shut. Exactly. Like, this is amazing. Uh, this is what good theology looks like. But, <laughs> right. um, you know, and, and I even alluded to it on my Facebook post about it doesn't matter if I'm pre-trib. If mm. I believe in a preacher rapture and the lost world is like, what's a trib? Exactly. Yeah. Like a tribute album. <laughs> <laughs> My point was to, to believers though. Like I don't really care what your eschatological timeline looks like. I, I, I really don't at this yeah. point. I don't have one. 
That's kind of where I'm at. (laughs) I'm not going to reveal my cards. How about that? If I am dispensational like I was years ago, or if I'm not at this point, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I'm going to live today like Jesus is coming back. And that solves the problem, you know? And so once again, um, there's good... There, there's good writings on a more reformed perspective that's gonna that are that will come out of that that amillennial or even the preacher. I, I mean, I'm there. I'm sure that's out there. You know, I know you don't like MacArthur, but you know, there's good things in that dispensational era that uh, or, or genre that that we can all glean. You know, and so just read. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. rather than say I'm right, they're wrong. Like, what is it in there? books and in their writings that you have that you can learn and glean from. And if they are an expert, right? Pastors don't say that they're not experts. <laughs> right. <laughs> because you have authority in your pulpit um, doesn't mean you're the expert. It really doesn't mean it's that. It's the farthest thing from it. Yeah. If it, anything, the weight of that should make us lean on people who were smarter than us. Exactly. Even more. B- because you don't have to be insecure about your position as being a all-knowing Bible scholar, you can see what you're doing as more of a shepherd. And mm-hmm. that's what we are. We're boots on the ground. I don't, I don't ever foresee someone, you know, and, and if they want to, but no one's going to come to this church that's a scholar and say, I need to remove you and do what you're doing. <laughs> Talk to me in 10 years, fam. I'm going to have my PhD. <laughs> and, that's, and I can see you going <laughs> And I still will route. read scholars that are smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, I can see you going more that route. But, but for me, what I'm saying is, is there's tons of shepherding work out there to be done. Just because I, you know, I'm a pastor uh, trying to help and love on people. And so the more I grow and the more I learn, it's only going to facilitate that. They're not coming for you in your pulpit. They're trying to help you. They're trying right. to give you uh, ammunition for the, f- the guns uh, as you're on the front line <laughs> shepherding people. Um, but we just have this, like, we get in these, like, weird misconceptions and these subgroups of, of those groups. And, you know, so my heart still goes out to you if you're in that. And I know many of you have no clue really what I'm saying. Yeah. The bottom line is fine. there are, I think, a lot of people who are newer to their faith get confused mm-hmm. that there are so many different denominations and so many different belief systems and the gut inclination is to say, like, well, surely only one of them can be right. <clears throat> and obviously it's the one that I'm a part of because I'm smart enough to know what's good and what's not. Right. So everybody else, therefore, must not be the real church. Or And that's just not the case. It it's really not. isn't. It's not a healthy perspective. Yeah. And I've, I've kind of come to a place where I see... Uh, I see a lot of value in in denominations existing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason that they exist the way that they do. We've been not to say it's ton. Yeah. We've not to say that it um it. is what was I gonna say? I just lost my train of thought. <clears throat> you see value in them existing. I see value not in it. Not necessarily is... in a denomination in itself, but yeah. the fact that groups of people who do believe the same thing can come together and collaborate and we don't have to fight with somebody else about mm-hmm. what they believe because they have a whole other group of people to love them and edify them that are in the same in the same boat. Yeah. And that's great. And mm-hmm. we can come together for, you know, the global spread of the gospel and that's our goal and we don't have to worry about fighting about petty issues. Yeah. For sure. Because we're only one church, right? Which we are, but you get what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, well, let's, let's talk about your let's message. jump into some text here. Is that the cutaway? That's the cutaway. <laughs> yep. uh, that's funny. <sighs> All right. Well, we are back here, and we're talking about some goody-goodies from this stuff. Uh, if you listen to the message, the link is in the description. Uh, if you listen to it, there's a lot of stuff towards the end specifically that I, I just didn't get to. 
um, because of time. Uh, I tend to over, we were just talking about this before the broadcast, but I tend to, uh, boy, I over prepare and then I cut out and then it's still like way over prepared. Um, because I'm always like, dude, cut this in half. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's all so good. Like, and it is. And I always tell myself, like, well, I'm going to put that in there. That's for them. I don't need that when I'm preaching, and it's for me. Yeah. If, um, if the guy that <laughs> preaches 45 minutes every week says, this is way too much, you know you got yeah. problems. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you tell me it's too long, boy. Yeah, I looked up. I, I, I told everybody when I started, I was like, all right, I've got seven pages of notes here. We're going to go quick. And I looked up at the, uh, the clock, and it was 11.15, and I was just getting into page five, and I was like, ugh. Oh man, <laughs> not, I got to cut a lot yeah, of stuff out not, here. Not good. Yeah. So, but, but that's it the, was good. Yeah. But that's the beauty of this podcast is we can kind of take a, take a step back and rehash some of it that yeah. was left on the cutting room floor on the fly. Well, what, what are some, you know, take us there, take us to those places. I think that you, you started talking about a baptism piece and I, what mm. I, what I love about that is, uh, that's something we still do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that we still do. You, you hopefully, if you're watching, you've been baptized, you've declared your loyalty to Jesus and you've taken that first step of obedience. But, um, you brought out a, a good point as far as like what that looks like as it pertains to exile. And the fact that this has been a theme that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Yes. The, the weekly Silent mode. notification. Yeah, my Sorry. iPads on do not disturb. My computer's on do not disturb. And my phone was not. My phone never is. Oh, two but, out of three. That's not bad. <laughs> talk to us more about uh, the baptism piece. Yeah, absolutely. And to give some, uh, some context to the, the message, if you haven't listened to it yet, we talked, we pretty much hung out in Genesis 4 the whole time, which is the story of, you know, Adam and Eve, they are exiled the chapter before to the east of Eden. Um, and East, man, I listened to the Bible Project this week, like this morning, and they talked about exile some more. Ooh. And it's actually the like somebody is exiled in Genesis seven times. It happens exiled to the East seven times. Wow, which is pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't even notice it, huh. but I was like, man, that's so cool. Why is um, it to the East? Uh well, East is oh, dude, yeah. Let's let's get into that some. Um, so East is always. Um, it's where people get exiled to. And the idea is that like, so in Eden, right, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they disobeyed God and they were exiled. You know, they were sent East of the garden. And then in Cain's story here, we see, you know, they're, you know, him and his family, they exist outside of the garden. You know, they're still in Eden, but outside of the garden, they're in that land. And then, um, excuse me. And then when Cain kills Abel, he is then sent further to the East um, you know, and then as time goes on, like, uh, I think, let's see, the next one in line would be uh, not one of Noah's sons, but either way, throughout the story of Genesis, like people, uh, like some of Abraham's children that were not Isaac, they were all sent away to the east, the Midianites, right? That's where they go. Well, Noah's would um, have been Ham. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't, can't say with confidence if that was one of them or not. Mm. That were, that were exiled, but it happened seven times in the book of Genesis, and seven is a, a cool literary number that scripture uses, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, but basically, the idea is that to be exiled to the east is to be away from God's presence and away from God's land. Mm. And so the further east you go, the further east you are from God's presence. And as we see in the Genesis narrative, like the humans, the first two humans, they were exiled. They were still in Eden. They weren't in the garden, but they were still there. Cain kills his brother, and he's sent away to, uh, the Bible calls it the land of Nod, or I'm sorry, the land of Nod, and Nod in Hebrew means to wander, mm. and so what's funny is God told him he would be a Nod, N-A-D, um, you know, which is a wanderer, so he was to be a wanderer 
and the land of wandering. Mm. It's like a literary device that was used. But this whole idea, like to be exiled to the east, it's as if it is as if, you know, Eden is portrayed as a mountain garden. And every time they go east, they are further and further away from Eden summit. Mm. And then by the end of, uh, by the end of Genesis, you, you know, you see where they are. They're in exile in Egypt. Mm. After what, uh, you know, Joseph's brothers, they sell him into slavery. They're all, you know, but his, you know, his position saves all of them. So they all stay in Egypt, but that's not God's land. Uh, that's not the land that was promised to Abraham. And so Genesis ends with everybody still in exile. Nobody's living in the promised land. Mm. Uh, the only land that is owned in the promised land is the, I believe it's the grave that Abraham bought at uh, Machpelah, mm. um, which is, you know, that, that's it. That's all they owned. And so this idea of exile is, is really, like, it really opens itself up in Genesis. But when we think about exile, we think about how the Israelites and the Judahites were eventually exiled from their land mm. after they were in it. And what's funny is when they were exiled, who exiled them? Like, who took them into, the cap- into captivity? Well, the Assyrians and the Babylonians came from the east, hmm. right? And so what produces exile for them at that point is, like, all of those people who were in the east, all of that badness, it came back for them and brought them east. And so the east, the cosmic east, is always, it's always portrayed in a negative light. Mm. Um, to us in the west, it's just a direction. Yeah. Uh, but in, in, the biblical, in the biblical period, they use that or it's for the Israelites. Geography. Yep, it's all about geography. And we talked about that with Egypt too, how wherever, regardless of your location to Egypt, you always go down to Egypt in the right. Hebrew Bible. Uh, which is because Egypt was viewed as like the cosmic underworld. Mm-hmm. That's what they viewed. And so kind of segueing into this idea of of baptism, because this is where that comes from. Underworld. Yep, mm-hmm. the underworld. The Israelites were First in... Peter 3.21. Was that, is that it? I don't know. I think. Yeah. Google that. Fact check us real quick. I'll, Let us know if I'll right. look it up while you do this. Yeah, yeah. Um but so moving into, we all know the Exodus story, right? If you've been to if you've been to Sunday school at any point in time, you know that like the waters part, the Israelites cross on dry ground and they go into the, you know, they make their way into the promised land. But what that's a picture of is the Israelites, you know, they're brought through the waters from a place of death, from a place of bondage into, you know, they, on the other side of that, they become God's covenant people at Sinai. And then they go into the promised land and they're experiencing new life and abundance. And so this idea of passing through the waters Mm -hmm. is where we get baptism from. And if that sounds strange to you, because if you're a Christian, chances are like the way that we understand it, which is correct, is that baptism, it it signifies Christ's death, burial, and us being resurrected with him. And so, but what I was thinking about as I, as I, uh, you know, worked on the message was that, you know, Jesus was baptized, like John the Baptist, the baptizer, was baptizing people, you know, long before he had ever met Jesus. And I'm sure it was a practice that probably preexisted John the Baptist. Why mm-hmm. is that? You know, how did, where would they, like, they didn't know that Jesus was going to die and be resurrected. Like, that wasn't right. the expected thing. So where does that come from? And the only solution that you get is that this idea of passing from death to life, passing through the waters, uh, it comes from the Exodus. It comes from the original release from exile into God's presence because his presence was there at Mount Sinai and then they make the tabernacle and it's like mobile with them. That's right. Like that's, you know, and then eventually he's put in a temple and that, and that whole ordeal. But the idea is that you're, you're coming out of death, out of a place of death into a place of life. And to do that, you have to pass through the waters. 
And so one of the first things the, in the, the chaos, <coughs> the chaos, the waters. underworld, exactly. The, yeah, the picture of yep. death. And water is also a picture of death. So there's like yeah. a whole lot working here. And when you think about uh, Genesis chapter one, I talked about that at a couple points in the message, mm-hmm. but that, you know, one of the first things that God does is he brings order to the chaotic waters in Genesis one, you know, and the Exodus, you know, freeing them from Egypt is another example of him exercising uh, his authority over the waters and death and so on and so forth. It's yeah. kind of the, you know, the, but there's a lot there. It was through 21, first Peter. You got it right? Yeah. Nice. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, right? It was it was mm-hmm. the Lord that delivered them. Right. Right. Uh, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God mm-hmm. through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, yep. who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. So I think it's like the, um, you know, the idea of, of being uh, declared over, right? So the mm-hmm. incantations yeah. that they would, you know, say in baptism in the early church, right? where it's like basically saying, look, we're passing through death and the underworld, mm-hmm. those demonic forces, they have no power over you None, anymore. Because we've come out the other side. That's right. You know, we are now... Uh, a we're from exile a chosen priesthood mm-hmm. we are yep. a purchased possession we're yep. we're a son and daughter mm-hmm. and that know. purchased possession if you look at that language there in that text it is uh in the septuagint that is the segala mm. it's the same thing that's that word yep yeah it's the same word uh and that's so what peter's good. talking about we are you know because of what jesus did for us we are his priests we are a nation of priests which means yeah. that we are a new israel Right. Yeah, we are God's people. His presence dwells within us as his church. Right. Yeah. It's really yeah. good stuff. Mm. So replacement theology. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. There it is. It is. It is there. Um, so that's that's the baptism piece, and I felt like I didn't get to talk enough about that during the message because it was just that's just so introduction, good, but it's so good. Seeing that and that picture. should show you like the things mm. that we do, the ordinances that we hold to as a church, like they are a part of a a long tradition of, of they're rooted the, somewhere. Huh? They're like rooted in the old testament. Yeah, they're all rooted in the old testament. Yeah. Tree um, tree language. Yeah. Tree language, no. <laughs> mountain language, garden right. language, tree language. So much stuff. It's all rooted in, in the Old Testament. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Just saying rooted in him real quick. There you go. That's, that's, what <laughs> Ooh, that's a old inside joke. Right yes. Um, I'm going to do that. Nah. But um, I, could, I, could, I could go into his, his song. I could bust oh, out every one of those theme songs right now in my Cameron voice. <laughs> Uh, we'll avoid that. Oh, man. Yeah, we don't want views for the sake of that. No. Um, though we would probably get them. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to sell a CD. Like and comment if you want that. Uh, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> but anyway, so that that's kind of the, the general the general concept. And so yeah. a lot of what we talked about in the message was just, um, you know, what does it look like? You know, Cain and Abel, they were both exiles. Mm-hmm. They were both living outside of the garden. Yeah. Same circumstances, same but, parents. But one was a chosen living. But one was a chosen. <laughs> mm here we come romans yep we're spoiler alert podcasting <laughs> on uh romans next week will we be, a, be good will be will we be a flower or a tulip which one i don't know a latent flower i don't like plants so. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a plant dad <clears throat> i'm not a plant dad no nope. everything i touch in dies. my office is like it's croaking it's been hanging on by a thread for yeah, so these long. plants behind us are fake you know <laughs> yeah they are <clears throat> i i saw uh somebody had commented it was in one of the just like church like i think it was like church creatives or something on, mm-hmm. on facebook but 
they were like, you know, what do you guys do for plants on your platform? Like fake, real. And somebody was like, well, we actually like, we don't like taking care of real plants, but we just felt like it felt really hypocritical to talk about being real, being surrounded by a bunch of fake plants on the stage. <laughs> so we migrated to real plants. I don't feel like that's hypocritical at all. I don't think so either, but it is kind of funny when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, we tried. Yeah. It's just dark in there. and It is dark. You got to put the shades a... up. You got to move them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's too yeah, much. We're not good with plants around here. No. Um, but, you know, just what are the, and, and my notes are uh, published as well, but like what are the implications of, you know, you have two people that are exiles responding in a very different way. And one of them, Abel, who was in exile, but he was not living uh, as though he was in exile. Like he wasn't living in it. And then there was Cain who, you know, he was not able to see around his circumstances. He was not able to see that there was a broader uh, transcendent picture beyond himself. Yeah. You know, and that produces a couple different things. Uh, one was that, you know, his worship was insincere. Uh, he wasn't yeah. living sacrificially. Um, and, you know, the end result of all of that for him was that his family line was just destroyed. Yeah. I mean, it was wrecked, you yeah. know, and that's the end of Genesis 4 are his, uh, you know, his children and his grandchildren. But... You know, just very, very sad story, and we can circle back around to that. Um, well, actually, no, we're we're pretty much there. <laughs> um, there was a couple yeah, things. For it. Yeah, well, there's a couple things that I didn't quite get to uh, expound upon uh, at the end. There, talking about Lemek. So this is actually an excerpt from uh, the L. Michael Morales book. Oh, I just lost my notes. See, this is why I don't use my iPad. You just are. Hold that thought. I'm just like. Brr, brr, yeah, brr. Exactly. I am a fidgeter. That's click, the, I'm click, the problem, not click, the iPad. Click, 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 click. Yeah. I'm like, dude, stop clicking every time. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to sit here and look like I'm doing something, you know? Where is the story that of your folder? Life. I know, right? Where is that folder? It's in your recent notes because you just had it open. It's, it's just like it's not showing this. up, though, you know? Like, it's, it's got to be right there. One of those guys. No? There it is. Found it. Anyway. Best practice. Ready? Best practices. Hit that right there. There we go. Yeah. Um, Lamech. Or how do, you, how do you say his name? Uh, Lamech. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, but anyway, so the excerpt. That lame. <laughs> more, That's why. Dude, if I existed in the same. I would have been dead. Lamech. I'd have been like, your name's Lamech. More like Lamech. <laughs> and he would have been like, oh, <laughs> I'll kill you too. <laughs> he was. I would not have survived. Not a good guy. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, which there's some, I actually, between a couple commentaries, um, I have a John Salehammer book that I'm reading and he touches on the same thing. Mm. And there's some, actually some disagreement on whether he was a bad dude or not. But I think that the overall consensus is that he was a pretty bad dude. (laughs) Well, the Bible project says he's bad. So he's bad. Obviously he's bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but this, this excerpt here says, uh, in exiling Cain, God had cursed him to be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Mm. Estranged further from God, Cain's place on earth is no home. But a vast no man's land, bare of comfort, and the Hebrew word for wandering is not or node, which we we covered. Uh, so there's no small irony when the narrative goes on to recount how Cain departed mm. from the face of Yahweh and dwelt in the land of node. That is, he made his home in the land of wandering east of Eden. The farther one is removed from God, the greater one's disorientation becomes. Mm. Such rebellion welling up uh, out of a heart polluted by sin is all the more tragic as the maker of heaven and earth reveals himself to be abounding in mercy and steadfast love. Mm. And the picture here is, you know, when Cain is, is exiled, you know, he immediately, uh, some would call it a place of repentance, but he was like, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Yeah. You know, you know what happens when I leave and, and people, you know, they know who I am, they see me and they want to kill me. 
And I was like, all right, I'll put a mark on you. And, you know, and then everybody will know that, you know, if, if they kill Kane, it's going to be repaid to him sevenfold, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whatever. Avenge sevenfold. That's where the band name comes from, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sidebar. Uh, but anyway, but when God does that, like it's clear in the text, like his, like he could have just wiped Cain out off the face of the earth. Like God was literally talking face to face. Like he could have wiped him out. Um, he didn't have to, you know, he, he could have done far more than exile him from further east of Eden, you know, but he didn't. And when Cain was worried, he put a mark on him that he wouldn't be killed. And so after he killed his brother, after he killed his brother. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, the reminder to us here is that, or one of them at least, uh, is that when God disciplines and when he offers correction, uh, his intention is not to harm us for the sake of harming us. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, all of us have been through a time where we're like, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, do you just want to hurt me? Yeah. And, you know, this, you know, it's a pretty bleak situation yeah, that he had to sure. respond to. And, uh, you know, God's response was not, no, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to harm you. That wasn't what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that he is gracious. He is loving and he wants the best for his human family. And, you know, what that wasn't was, you know, making Cain subject to being murdered somewhere for killing his brother. Right. You know, and whether that was spurred on by the spirit of repentance from Cain, maybe, or, or otherwise, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, but, but the bottom line is his, his intent was not to, uh, not to harm. Yeah. And then we look at, um, you know, Cain goes further, you know, he's, he's exiled further east. He's away from God's presence and he builds a city and he names the city after his son and he has, um, you know, his grandchildren. Children and grandchildren, obviously, the, the children come first, you know. That's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works, usually. Typically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's pretty cool. You know, Cain went on and he built a city and, you know, he had children, he had a wife. Who knows where he got the wife from, right? Steve was asking me about that on Sunday. He's like, hey, we, I was like, let's let's have dinner one night. We could talk about that. That's a long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he gets to this place. And, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you know, his kids, they made metalworking and they made music and they, all mm. of these cultural advancements. And then parallel to that, you have the line of Seth, who was the, you know, Noah comes from Seth and Abraham comes from Noah. Like Seth's line was important, um, but nothing is accredited to Seth. And so what that kind of leads, you know, what the narrator is doing is he wants you to see like, hey, like all of the stuff that was produced by Cain, like. Seems like good stuff. It's stuff that we enjoy, but ultimately, like it's all it's all corrupted by mm. by sin and and exile, yeah. you know. And we look at it as like, oh, it's just a city. But you know what he was doing was he was building the fortitude for himself that Eden had to offer that he lost. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was trying to recreate and reestablish uh, what Eden was, all the way to the point of naming the city after his son. Which, yeah. if your name lived on in the Near East, like that was a way of you like perpetuating your life beyond the years that you would live. He was trying to gain protection, eternal life and, and all of the things that Eden had to offer without being Eden. And what did that produce? You know, devastation, slavery. Yep. Devastation, Um, slavery, violence, murder, all of it. Yeah. And so really the, the capstone of the message was don't, don't settle for cheap imitations. Right. Because all sin will give you. It's just idolatry. It really is. Mm -hmm. And all sin has to offer us is a cheap imitation of what God wants for us. Yeah. It's so good. The the message was great. I think that, um, it led us into the promised land out of exile and, uh, we all will create when left to ourselves. We'll, we'll always try to, to create our own city. We'll, cre- we'll try to yeah. create our own promised land. 
And there's only one way to do that, and that's God's kingdom. Yep. The right way. Because it's not our kingdom. Exactly. When left to our own devices, like this is, we'll always. We will always do this. Yeah. It'll always repeat itself. And and just look what's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Men trying to create their own legacies. Yep. Trying to create their own. At the expense of other people. Exactly. And yeah. it's it's always bloodshed. It's always, um, you know, uh, horrific. Mm-hmm. And, and that is what happens in. in these purification mindsets, you know, this like Thanos mentality, you right. know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, it should be just a movie, but it's not, it's real life. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's and almost like people get these ideas from somewhere exactly. when they make the movies. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely from scripture. But well, I was just saying yeah. like, just from observing the world around them, oh, yeah. you know, there's a Thanos everywhere. There is. And I think that, um, for us as Christians, like we have to be honest and upfront, you know, with ourselves mm-hmm. just to say, okay, uh, and, and like confession and repentance are great, right? Beforehand, like when it's before we're banished in exile again, mm-hmm. you know, every day we have that opportunity as chosens living in exile to offer a, a more acceptable sacrifice, yeah. mm-hmm. to be more uh, committed in our worship, you yeah. know, which those are two things that you had said, um, you know, got Cain going down the wrong path, yeah. you know? And so dude wasn't committed. Yeah, exactly. So let's not have the, the cheap imitations, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's give it, give it our all. Yeah. Big time, but really big good facts. message. Thank you for it. I know I was uh, blessed by it. I was encouraged by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know our people were as well. Yeah. I enjoyed the prep for it and just, you know, I love, uh, you know, Genesis one through 11 is just really fun for me. Yeah, you yeah, know, man. I think, mm, several of the messages that I've brought in the recent months have been from there. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it's really good. And this whole thing like recapitulates yeah. in Genesis 11 when the Bab, uh, you know, in Babylon, they build the, <clears throat> they're building the ziggurat and they're like, let us make us a name. Let us build <laughs> us a city. And then God comes to Abraham in Genesis 12 and he's like, Hey, I will make of you a great nation. That's I will right. give you a great name. Uh, you know, God um, already has what we want to aspire for. We just have yeah. to align ourselves with that. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's got a plan for all the nations. Yep. You know, and he did that through him. And uh, to, to be able to align with that, you know, thousands of years later yep. and see that message, <clears throat> that mission, um, the, the restoration of Eden yep. continue mm-hmm. is, is really cool. Is really exciting. Just you know, such a, be a deep part of. heritage of faith that we have. Yeah, and and I hope that we'll continue to. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's so good. Your version is so good. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, well, we love you. We thank you so much for for joining us. And next, so this coming Sunday, we start a brand new series on the Book of Romans. Romans. Yeah, Mm. I'll probably be there for I don't know three years if that. No. Well, how many chapters is Romans? Is it? 16. 16. Yeah, I was going to say 15. I don't know what I'm talking about. Is it 16? I, I, just, I think it's 16. I just yeah, I get I get that one confused with others. But yeah, um, yeah it's going to be really good. And I think it's going to make for a very interesting couple <laughs> now, months of now podcasting. I'm like wondering. <laughs> Is it 16? Fact check it real quick. I think it's, it's either 15 or 16. It's definitely not more than 16. <laughs> Roman 16. Uh, yeah. Okay, sixteen. Yeah. You heard it here first. We're too pat. Like, how many chapters are there in that book I'm right going there? To that one next. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. So minimum of sixteen weeks, probably thirty-two weeks. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, it's gonna take a while. We don't get. We don't wade too much in the weeds, on, yeah. especially in our context. Our context yeah. But I, I may get into them a little bit. Why not? You know. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Well, we love you. God bless you. Thanks God for bless. hanging out. Do less. Hopefully we'll see in. you. Uh, hopefully we'll see you Sunday morning. Peace out. Adios. Thanks so much for tuning in for this conversation on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also, in every conversation we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description, and we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.